0: Thank you for tuning in to Game Investing Radio. Hopper here to go over heritage, and we're gonna try to keep it a little quicker today because uh, I'm getting feedback that the newsletter's too long and maybe these uh, podcasts are too long. Looks like my uh, first gaming guest started his own podcast and his are much shorter. Uh, Frank and Kelsey just started a podcast. My first uh, my first guest is gonna start a new podcast, so uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to see all this happening. Um, I guess I was a pioneer, but pioneers uh, don't always win. Uh, It's time for me to try something new. Let's try to try to let's see. Why don't we try to pick out some general overview, helpful tips, and then maybe just a few titles on Atari, because a lot of the pieces are coming up over and over every week. It was a very strong auction for Atari. So I think overall on Atari, the first thing to look for is look on the back of the box and ask yourself, is this an Atari Inc., an Atari Corp., or an Atari Corporation? And I'm seeing multiple variations. And the secret to video game investing is variations. You're trying to find the rare variations that are early on the iconic titles that have demand. And that's pretty tricky to do because a lot of the collectors don't give these up. And uh, we're not seeing Atari Inc. You know, every week in the Heritage Auction um, overall. We're seeing a couple pieces. The only one I could find was E.T., and I think E.T. is a great historical title. Um, I'm very bullish on E.T. long run. The only question with this is how many of them are a 9.6, 9.8, and how many are shrink wrap versus N.S.? But on the E.T. that went off tonight for 492 almost $500, is a 9.4 N.S. 82 silver box, and you see the date listed twice. So that tells you it was the same as a copyright date. Um If you look on the back, it should say Atari Inc. made in USA. So that to me is an investment grade video game. Um, Now, first party titles uh, are usually going to be these silver boxes. And most all of these are Atari Corp. I do believe made in Hong Kong, uh, which is going to be a later release um also even the red boxes uh, a lot of those are popular getting large bids i do believe there's two shades of colors on those and i do believe those are not atari inc if i was an investor uh, this is just opinion you know freedom of speech i would try to stick to atari inc unless it's something like a mario where you've got mass appeal uh, or maybe like uh you know these other titles like spider-man or pac-man I mean, um, you might go for the higher grades. Activision titles are another one that are, you know, seem to be uh, steady as far as value goes. And um, it looks like if publishers come on, that might be a good way to go as well. So I guess first first checks are something like Inc. versus Corp. And then if it's first party, third party, that should narrow the field quite a bit for investment grade. Um, The other surprise really was the Spider-Man, which is up one or two X based on the last two equivalent sales of nine point six, eight plus plus. That's the first Marvel game. It's historical. It's also designed and coded by a uh, woman that came from um, business into Wall Street in an age uh, and an era in Silicon Valley. Really, that was primarily, uh, you know, male and adrenaline driven. you know, smoking cigarettes and having beer busts at Atari and and smoking other things as well is what I heard. I mean, the early days were very, very different. So historically, um I can't remember very many titles designed by minorities or women or other uh, underrepresentative uh, demographics. But definitely, Spider-Man number one, Marvel number one, um, has history going for it in many ways, uh, more than just gaming history. I mean, it's also uh, you know. Silicon Valley history, because really, you know, before Tesla, before Facebook, before Google, uh, it's really Atari. Atari really is the company that started the culture of Silicon Valley, started, you know, the uh, uh, no nine to five culture, the uh, no suit culture, the, uh, you know, caffeinated drinks and soda pop cans and, and beer busts culture, or, you know, skateboards in the hallway culture and all that stuff that turned into these massive campuses you have today, that all started Atari. And Steve Jobs himself started at Atari. So I think once people realize Atari has so much historical value, they might go for the earlier and firsts. So Spider-Man is a first. Um, I don't know if E.T. is the first movie title. There was a Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that keeps coming up at 82. I don't know the month. These were both released. Um, I do know Superman in the 70s is the first superhero game. So Mario Brothers went off 8.58 plus for 20% higher than the last sale, which is very strong because this is the 83 release and the 87 print run. But when you're talking about Mario, it's pretty much anything and everything. And I don't believe I've ever seen a first release or even 5200 early release of Mario Brothers on Heritage yet. But uh, as an investor, I would probably try to pick up the two-player to add to your portfolio, if not the 5200, if not the whole print run. Um, if you can't find the early ones, I guess it does make sense to get into mid and late um, when it comes up. Donkey Kong was a surprise, 9.4A++, because it, it's on the 7800. But again, it's a Jumpman uh, title, which is which is Mario. And um, at $1,800, that's strong because it was printed in 88. Um, you know, we're talking SMB, SM, SMB 2, 3 Development Country. That's surprising. Um, I think new money came in today because uh, I know some people were getting out of bed quite a aggressively and a lot of these titles were very strong including miss pac-man surprisingly took over uh you know over over 2000 at 2400 and that's a later release that's uh you know an 83 release 88 print run it's a non-ink it's a corporation um but i've never seen i've never seen an ink i think i've seen one on social media but i've never seen an ink pac-man or miss pac-man on heritage and i doubt if uh new money and new investors really uh you know, are, are keyed up on variations, I'm still learning. And, you know, I came in in 2020, even though I was a hardcore gamer in the 70s, gaming, you know, stuff that wasn't even in, in boxes or released. We didn't have any game shops back then. So I wouldn't know what the boxes looked like even if uh, I saw them. And that brings up a box that I've never seen on Nintendo called Chubby Cherub. And this is interesting because it's CIB and it got a $660 winning uh, purchase price. But I noticed it's no revé round SOQ and someone kindly pointed out on the newsletter that, you know, you might want to put no revé in the pop estimates because clearly we're talking early, early, early and 86 is I mean, that's as early as you can get. That's, that's really, you know, Jordan's rookie year. I mean, he came out 85, just like Mario, but 86 is 85 86 is turning into an epic year in video games and cards, even in music and movies. I mean, man. I mean, we're really talking about the, uh, the, uh, I guess, MTV generation, something like that. You know, basically things things moving towards pop culture, kind of like before we didn't call it pop culture. I mean, we never called arcade gaming pop culture in the 70s or we didn't even call it gaming. You know, we said, hey, I want to go to the arcade. Do you want to go to the arcade? We didn't even really call it gaming. We didn't call ourselves hardcore gaming. Even though we were modding our our you know C64s, our Atari 800s, our Atari 400s, we were programming on them. We were getting five and a quarter floppies from Silicon Valley. I mean, we we really didn't call ourselves hardcore gaming, but to me, I think hardcore gaming would be playing games that aren't released yet. That to me is is one definition of hardcore gaming. You know. Kind of like Miyamoto's team, hardcore gaming uh, prototypes. You know, developing SMB3, spending seventy million dollars and or seven hundred or seven. You know, it might be seven hundred million today, converted for inflation. But let's just say a hundred million dollars to develop a masterpiece. You know, people gaming and gaming and hardcore gaming through errors and failures and developing beautiful masterpieces that are artwork. And that brings me to the black boxes, which really represent artwork in Nintendo. You know. They dumbed it down because uh, the artwork on Atari was seen as too clean, and then the expectations were too high. Opening the box, the question is, how can there even be any boxes that weren't open for these Nintendo games? Because Nintendo was so hot when it when it uh, you know crossed the chasm between gaming to entertainment and uh, really saved the industry and took us took us through you know the whole eight bit era and saved the day. So there was three black boxes that went off. They're all beautiful. We got Duck Hunt versus Golf. Duck Hunt went off at 5.0 CIB hang tab, um, 400 bucks. Um, you know, I heard I heard the dentist saying on YouTube last night that uh, there's two or three that are still sticker, sticker sealed in the world. I mean, once those hit a million dollars, it's like, you know, reserved investments on YouTube is saying an alternative investment is considered a investment grade at 20% of the population. You tell me. What is the top 20% of the population when you're talking duck hunt? If there's a million copies, three are sealed. uh, That's like .000000. So what is 20% of a million? 200,000? Are we talking CIB 5.0 and up? You know, we're going to have to bend the rules for video games because, uh, you know, they were meant to be played. That's really why they're so beautiful when you're talking high end early and you know it might not be a 98 it might be a 75 it might be an 85 it might be a 55 it might be it might be cib you never know what's on that right side until the pop report sh- drops or you could you know help me with the pop estimates because we got to add a, a vga and raw we got to add vga raw and WADA. and uh, when WADA drops theirs, it's not going to include vga and raw so i think the you know the smart sophisticated investor thank you uh, satire tyler Sophisticated investors should take a look at raw units shipped to North America, units that are encased in VGA, CIB units versus sealed, and then units encased in WADA. So we had two Golfs, and what's the difference? One's a 7.0 CIB, no Reve, the other 7.5 CIB with a Reve. So no Reve came earlier. This is like early, it's not early of the earliest, it's early of the second. So, you know, once you go beyond stickers, you're talking hang tabs. And then in hang tabs, that early, early would be no rev $500 worth of respect for a 7.0 and the 7, you know, the 7.5, you know, one grade higher with a rev still a round seal. Only one for 180. Let's drop that 0.5. Let's cut that down to 100 because it's a 0.5 grade higher. You're talking 5X. So you're talking 5X for a no reve versus a reve based on just today's data on golf. And a shout out to the comment I got on the newsletter tonight about that. No Reve. I mean, you could call them grills in a sense. Hang tab grills. I mean, that's this is not a hang tab, it says. It says round SOQ, no Reve. But uh, if you're talking 5X, no Reve, Reve, on a lower grade, something's wrong there. Either the Reve is too cheap or the no Reve is too expensive. You tell me. Now, the next piece that went over a grand was indiana jones but i looked this up on ebay and i think the first test for newbies or people just starting out is to look at the box front and check to see on nintendo if it's got a round seal or an oval seal and if you're really sophisticated and you're high end and you you know you don't want to play around below a thousand bucks you want to stick to pieces that have ten thousand dollar potential i would say don't even touch oval you know um Temple of Jones, uh, no, excuse me, Temple of Doom, 94A Oval went for a grand. But if you look up Heritage Souls, you're gonna see a round seal that went for a little bit more. So you, you know, you would have wanna pick up that round seal for about the same price. Uh, I know Paperboy and Temple of Doom have that small little round seal that's very hard to notice. And I think the best way to check that is go on eBay and do a general search. Don't click on new. So you're looking at all the conditions, maybe even type in box. And look for round versus oval. I think that's the easiest quick check to give you basically a separator. If it's late 80s and Temple of of Doom is 88, so that's right in that uh, wheelhouse. 88, 89, it might have a round and an oval. You don't want to touch the oval. SMB2, if it's SMB2, you got to get the round if you're an investor. Collectors, you might want one of each. Uh, you might want 3. You might want an oval in a case, a round in a case, and then uh, you know, a, a rock art that works to play. The other one that went over a grand was uh, Metal Gear 8.5A. That's steady as a rock. The last copy went off for $16.80 just like tonight. That's a round seal obviously, 88 I don't even know if there's an oval on that one. Uh, Pac-Man Tengen, which was the fake Atari company. Atari uh, actually got offered the uh, Donkey Kong license and turned it down. Um, either that or Nintendo turned them down. I can't remember, but it went to ColecoVision. And Nintendo was really strict on licensing. That was pretty much the thing that I think saved the industry. You know, a lot of people say this, that, and the other thing. But I think the big business decision, my personal opinion, you know, I got an MBA. I'm operating under America, Constitution, Freedom of Speech. My opinion, what saved the industry from a business investment perspective was Nintendo's strict third-party licensing legal agreements, and that would be lawyer-driven. So that's uh, when you're building a company, it's all about the team, and lawyers saved Nintendo more than once. They saved them from the Universal Studios Donkey Kong King Kong lawsuit that could have just brought the house of cards down on the little old NES. And then, um, you know, these lawsuits. I think I don't know if they were actually lawsuits, but. They got, uh, you know, antitrust lawsuits where they had to dole out coupons. Lawyers saved the day then because they didn't dole out cash. And then these agreements, like Tengen, um, I think that was like a Nintendo ex-executive hooking up with Atari people to create Tengen. It was like a fake Atari company or a subsidiary of Atari, but basically... It could have gone a different way. The whole industry could have gone a different way if Atari and Nintendo inked a deal early on. That would have meant Mario would have been an Atari property in America. But uh, that didn't happen. So I'm looking at the Pac-Man 10th anniversary. So that's basically a hybrid Atari, you know, Namco, Nintendo thing. It's got that square seal, which is really interesting. Uh, 88, nice black seal, kind of like the round blacks. And uh, it went for 1140, which is, which is pretty nice, but it is a high grade at nine, six, eight plus I'm sure 10 gen is going to go down as something kind of a love hate thing. Like if you're going to, if you're going to love it, you're probably going to want all the 10 gens in high grade. I do believe that's business history. I just don't know if that's going to, you know, translate to future game investors looking at historical value because I'm, I'm biased towards business history. And, um, that's not really going to translate like an ET to a future generation as far as full blown historical. Uh, the rest of the titles are SNES, uh, lower grade NES. Going to try keep it short today. Feedback from the newsletter that it's too long and complicated. Maybe the, you know the podcasts are too long. Who knows? Um, N64, nothing really broke. Five, six. You know most of the stuff is one or two hundred. The first piece that broke a grand on the later stuff is a ninth point. A++, 2004 Mega Man Battle Network 3, white version. I don't know variations on GBA, but um, this is Capcom, and it says on the front, made in Japan. So I always look at where it was made. Um, you know, if it's a Nintendo, made in Japan is the gold standard. If it's Atari, made in Silicon Valley would be the gold standard. So this is a made in Japan GBA. It went for 1740 That's a beautiful grade. And a very nice price. Page two, nothing really popping here. Um, you know, 100 here, 200 there, 400 Final Fantasy, Mega Man 8, 480, and that's about it. Um, just tried to keep it short tonight. Um, you know, don't forget the Nintendo, uh, when they were releasing the black boxes, you know, they were, uh, they were scared of making mistakes. Um, they were speculating on a new market in North America. They started with New York, then Los Angeles, then maybe Chicago, nationwide, San Francisco. I think those were the top four cities. But they were speculating, which is actually taking low risk—you um, know, low risk uh, capital, time, and energy investments into the future. Um, they had no idea the Nintendo uh, NES was going to blow up like it did. But they tried something new. You know they crack champagne with styrofoam cups in the New Jersey warehouse. You can hear that on uh, YouTube with Gail's most recent drop. Um, and you know where did where did Mario come from? He came from Jumpman. Where did Jumpman came from? He came from Donkey Kong. Where did Donkey Kong came from? A failed Super Scope cabinet. So Nintendo's first you know first uh, big big gamble, big speculation on the uh, arcade market was uh, in America in the New Jersey warehouse, and it failed. You know, Super Scope cabinets led to Miyamoto, which led to Donkey Kong, which led to Jumpman, which led to not being able to pay the rent, which led to the landlord being cool, and his name was Mario. So there you go. Nintendo's proof to try something new, push through all the setbacks, failures, speed bumps. You're going to have to push through 5, 10 of those. When you get that big failure, when you're about to give up, try again. Just try again. And try again thinking, what did I learn that I'll never do again, and I can apply to everything going forward for the rest of my life? And you know what that's called? That's called true wisdom. Now with some true wisdom, you know what? You can become a master.